If you're an accredited investor looking for an incredible opportunity to invest your money, I have exactly what you're looking for. I have put together a fund where we are loaning money to fix and flip investors for their investment properties. And I'm looking for investors right now. We provide steady income for our investors. We are focused on capital preservation. We have minimum target of returns that we plan on giving back to our investors. And this opportunity is incredible. Like I said, this fund is lending to the best of the best. And we're looking for people to come aboard and be investors and go along for the ride as this thing grows. I'm super excited about it. Right now, we're only talking to accredited investors. So if that's you and you want more information, reach out to me at mike at juststartrealestate.com and I will get you all the information. Guys, this fund is amazing and we are so different from everybody else. And one of the biggest differences, we don't just lend money to anybody. Anybody who comes along with an application doesn't get money from us. You have to have a track record. We have to know that your business is strong and healthy. And that's who we lend to because our commitment to our investors is that we will protect their money and we will give them consistent, reliable returns. Guys, if you're interested in this and you want to come along on that journey with me and my company, reach out to me now, mike at juststartrealestate.com. I cannot wait to talk to you. I'm also finding a high volume of deals that I'm able to sell to other people who don't have the time or the money or the knowledge to find deals for themselves. So if you're a house flipper or landlord, I think wholesalers are a fantastic way to find deals. My suggestion is don't get on one wholesalers list, get on all the lists and start making offers on all of them because you will find deals that way. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me on the show today, guys. I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited that you have chosen to spend time here with me on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Guys, if you're getting anything from this show, if you're enjoying it and it means something to you and you come back time and time again for the content, for learning, uh, if you could give me a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast, I would really appreciate it. It helps me get found. It means a lot and I would very much appreciate it. Okay. Today, I am giving you a replay of a live Q&A that I did, as I do every Thursday, and this was action-packed. This had a lot of questions, lots of interaction, people asking some really, really cool stuff, uh, people asking things like, how did I overcome... Uh, finding my purpose. <laughs> so that was an interesting one. Like, how did I know what I wanted to do? Uh, how long to wait before going all in on an investment? And how to find deals? Where's the best place to find deals? Um, you know, what happens if you're getting outbid on properties? It's a very hot market right now. And we know we're getting outbid on some properties. It just happens. People are overpaying. People get excited because the market's really hot. Um, and so we talked about that a little bit. How to find uh, funding for a flip? Like, where can you find the money? Uh, and that's something that's really, really important and really hot right now, talking about where to find uh, money. Uh, people asking about like Upwork and Fiverr and using like VAs and how do I find people to help me in my business. And we talked a lot about that. Um, just tons and tons of stuff. Like, how do you analyze a deal? Do you use the 70% of ARV plus or, or minus, you know, um, 
uh, renovations? Like, what what do I use to actually analyze a deal? And and just so many more questions. It was just a tons and tons of great, great questions that came out of this uh, particular Q and A. So, uh, without any further ado, I'm going to give you the key in Q and A. I want you to really uh, take a minute to take this in because there's a lot of information being shared here, guys. These Q and As are just chocked full of questions, and I know a lot of you have. So, uh, really excited about this one, guys. I hope you enjoy it. So, here you go, my Q and A. Thanks for joining me. Hopefully you're here. It's I'm a couple minutes late to get to my own page. Uh, I have several Facebook pages and I clicked on the wrong one. So that was uh, definitely on me. But we're here, guys. 7 o'clock Eastern or thereabouts, 4 p.m. Pacific or as close as humanly possible. Uh, we are here uh, live now. So thank you if you waited. I appreciate you waiting for me. Uh, if you're logging on late, you don't know any different. I was on time as far as you know. So uh, we will get started. Guys, I, I do want to mention though uh, that uh, if you are trying to start your business, if you're trying to start your real estate company, or frankly, if you're just trying to start a business and you need help with the foundations, you don't know how to set up a business, you don't know how to find money for your business, you don't know how to hire effectively, you don't know how to track your numbers and things like that. I've got something for you. It's a, uh, a four-week course with me where I help you do those things. It's called the Business Fast Track Blueprint. You can check it out at fa uh, businessfasttrackblueprint.com. Uh, go check that out. I'm here for you. I want to help you and uh, we can work together for four weeks. So uh, that being said, guys, you send me questions uh, through, through email. You send me questions through DMs and I receive those. I like to answer those on this show. And then of course, we can answer uh, live. Uh, we can answer these questions right here. If you're logged in live, just type them into the chat and uh, I will answer your questions here live every single week at the same time. So let's get started with this week. Uh, one of the questions that I got through email is how do you overcome finding your purpose? I feel like I'm currently going through this and could use some advice. So I interviewed somebody on my podcast, Just Start Real Estate, um, today. And we were talking about this exact thing, like, how do you find your purpose? And what does that even mean? Like finding your purpose sounds very soft. And it sounds very like there's nothing tangible. Like, what does that even mean? Why do I need to find my purpose? Just show me how to find houses and how to flip them, right? The problem is when you run a business, any business doesn't even matter. I, this person didn't say what business they want to ultimately start and run, but it, it really doesn't matter because really... You know, when you run a business, no matter what it is, you're going to get knocked down from time to time, right? I've got something back here behind me. Mike Tyson said, um, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. We all get punched in the face from time to time in, in life and certainly in business. And when something happens in your business or you have a rough time or a tough you know, week or a tough day or something doesn't go right for you, it's really hard sometimes to get motivated the next day to get up and, and do it again. And, and I think if you don't have a really strong why, right? Simon Siddick uh, has a book called Start With Why. And I, and I love the book. I'm, I'm a fan of Simon Sinek's because his whole crusade is about not how to build a company, like how to hire, how to manage all that. It's like, it's how to find your why, how to, how to find that reason that you must start your business, how to, how to find the reason why you must be successful. And when things go poorly, why you just don't give up, right? Like kids, little kids have this, they don't know why they're doing it, but they have this incredible drive to learn and to do things. When they fall, they get back up, right? We, we learn, we are, as kids, that's how we're wired. And as we become adults, we, we keep being given all these reasons why 
uh, we can't do it. People, life beats us down. Maybe our parents aren't encouraging. You have a certain amount of failures in your life and you just like, you think that you can't do it. And so really what it took for me, and, and this is the conversation that I had earlier on, a, on, on an interview that I was doing on my show is the bottom line is if you don't have a strong reason why you're doing something, you won't do it because it, things will get tough for sure. And your why really shouldn't be purely monetary. And if your why is monetary, if that's your purpose and you can't come up with a purpose better than I just want to make a lot of money, you're going to be in trouble. And some people are motivated by the positives. They're motivated by you know, just how wonderful their life could be if they take this risk, if they start this business, if they invest and grow their business, like I'm excited about how great that will be. And that motivates me to do what I need to do to make that happen. Other people, and I would say I'm one of them, is probably we're probably more motivated by fear of something happening bad, right? Like I like when I was in corporate America, it took me several years, but I finally hit rock bottom where I was miserable. And the thought of living the rest of my life working in this company or in this industry, or even just working for somebody, the company I worked for wasn't that bad, but it wasn't for me because I wasn't wired that way. And that fear, that thought of living that way for the next 10, 20, 30 years was like just soul crushing. I couldn't take it. And a lot of people will say, oh, I hate my job too. It's soul crushing, but they go to work every day and they don't change anything about what they do. You need to figure out what motivates you. And whatever that is, could be fear of just living your life the same way you're living it now. Because if you keep living it this way, you're going to keep getting exactly what you're getting, right? That old uh, cliche, what's the definition of insanity? Is keep doing what you're doing and expecting different results. You're going to keep getting what you're getting. So either you have to be so fed up with that, or sometimes there's a tragedy. I Like I said, I interviewed someone today and unfortunately she lost her mother at a young age. And when, when her mother passed away, she decided, I am not willing to settle in life anymore. I am going to take life by the throat and I'm going to attack it and I'm going to create the life that I want because that's what my mother would want. And, and that motivated her. Now, hopefully you don't have to lose somebody to have that, that ultimate rock bottom moment, but it does happen sometimes. And, and sometimes that's the motivator for people. You see people all the time have a near-death experience, right? They almost die and then they just change their life completely. It's because they get they're so afraid, they were so afraid that they were going to lose their own life, or they they're so miserable that they lost somebody they love that they just turn a corner. So sometimes fear and loss and pain can motivate you to do things. Sometimes you can be motivated purely by um, by what you what you want, the positives of what you want. So that's that is um, that that's another way that you could be motivated that some people do. But I think finding your purpose is very personal. You have to start asking a lot of probing questions, a lot of why questions. You got you have to keep digging and digging to find out what the reasons are why you want to do it. And again, not to keep going back to this conversation, but it was a really great long conversation I had with somebody. And their thing was most people are like. 30% like sold that they have to that they have to do this thing. They have to take this chance or take this risk or start this business. You know, they're like 30% committed, right? And if you're 30% committed to anything, you're not going to do very well. Um, and so that's that's something you have to think about is what is it that really motivates you? Is it your family? Is it your kids? Is it your your friends, your 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 parents? Is it like 
you, you saw somebody in your life fail and you don't want to do that? Or what is it that actually really shakes you to the core and gets you out of bed in the morning when you're, when you're maybe too tired or you just don't want to do it? Um, that's what you have to, that's what you have to think about. So, uh, what I, what I say is finding your why is very, very personal, uh, but it's worthwhile to do because if you, if you don't do it, then I think ultimately you're going to fail because you're not going to have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And it's just the way it is. That's why most people don't actually start a business and they don't follow their dreams because they're a little bit too complacent and they don't, they just don't, you know, have that driving motivation. So, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the problem that you have there. So that is the how do you find your purpose? Very personal, very important. It's something you must do if you want to be successful. I don't think there's many people who get to any level of success in business or in the world without having a strong drive, a strong purpose, a strong reason. For most people, it's family, it's kids, it's time freedom, financial freedom, but it can't just be money. I can't stress that enough because it won't sustain you very long. Okay. Let's see. Uh, here we go. How long? How long do you wait before going all in on an investment? So I'm gonna I'm gonna speak from a real estate perspective here for a minute because that's my experience and that's where I have most of my experience in business is real estate. And when I think of an investment, once I do, and and I actually this is, I'll answer it very broadly and then I'll answer it very specific for real estate. If I'm going to invest in anything. I go all in once I've done a reasonable amount of research. I don't anymore. I, I used to, and this was you know a whole other story I could tell, but I spent five years researching and trying to figure out if I want to go all in on something. And I, I waited way too long. Obviously, five years is ridiculous. But I do a reasonable amount of research. Once I have a reasonable level of of comfort that I, I think I can do something, I, I do it full force. I go 100% all in. And when I say a reasonable amount of research, depending how unfil- unfamiliar I am with the topic, it's very little. If it's, if it's real estate related, very little. I move very fast when it comes to real estate. If it's something outside of real estate, I don't do a lot of investing outside of real estate. But if I did, um, you know, I, I would do a very minimal amount of research. And, and probably what I'd be most likely to do, honestly, is hire a coach, a mentor, join a mastermind. I want to shortcut everything. So, you know, when it comes to time, like how long will you wait? Like you can stop that question at wait. And I can tell you not long. It doesn't matter what your question is after wait, because I don't have the patience to spend years of my life thinking about mulling something over, whether or not I'm going to do it. I decide fast. If it's a good idea, I have a reasonable level of confidence that I can do it. I'm going for it 100%. Or I'm turning my back and just not doing it 100%. Like I'm, I'm, I'm all in or I'm all out and I decide fast. I really think that's the best way. I think you can talk yourself out of anything that you want to talk yourself out of. So you know, how long do I wait before I go all in on investment? If it's real estate, I can tell you probably within an hour easily if I'm going to do it. If it's if it's a house that I should be flipping or buying as a as a rental or something, I can tell you in ten minutes tops. Um, if it's something outside of real estate, I would do my due diligence, but I'm still not waiting long. I'm either going to do it or not because I just don't have the patience to wait. And I know what waiting can cost you. There's something called opportunity cost, and the opportunity cost for me. For those five years that I said I waited and didn't get started in in real estate like I wanted to, I was just sort of sitting on the sidelines trying to become more and more educated. That education cost me about $3 million. If I just look at what I've made in real estate over the last five years and just say, what if I 
did even like half or three quarters of that. Like it's going to be somewhere in that $3 million range. That's what it cost me. And it's frustrating, but it's, it's in the past, right? It's regret. I can't do anything about it. All I can do is not make that mistake again. And I'm telling you, don't make that mistake. Don't sit and wait forever. If you want to start a business, if you want to start a real estate business, if you want to start any business, get reasonably educated, understand how to get to the first step and go. You don't have to understand how to get to step 100 before you take the first step. Take, figure out that first step and go, and then figure out how to do the second step and go. If you can pay someone or surround yourself with somebody or some people that have done it at a high level, they know what they're doing, they have experience, they have success, and you can get around them or in front of them and ask them questions, however you do it, whether you pay for it or you don't, get in front of them, ask them questions because they will show you all of the routes that you can get there quicker. I was going to say shortcut. I don't want you to think of it as a shortcut because a shortcut has a negative connotation that you're not doing something you should, but they can show you the fastest route, right? Because most of us get to success, like here's success, here's who you are. And most of us do this, right? We're all over the board until we hopefully finally find our way to success. A mentor, a coach, a mastermind can get you from A to the finish line a lot faster. And I don't know why I said A to the finish line. It can get you from the start to the finish faster or from A to B faster. So um, it'll just get you there faster. So I, I don't wait very long before I go all in on anything. Okay, uh, let's see. I'm having a hard time finding deals. Where is the best place? So finding deals in real estate is a little bit more challenging right now than it has been for quite some time. We all thought as real estate investors that it was pretty hard a couple of years ago. Um, it's getting a little more challenging. Um, finding deals on the MLS is tough. Now, I will tell you a quick story. I had two interviews today for my podcast. Uh, one of them was somebody who finds deals, all of his deals on the MLS, and he pays full market value for them. And He's making a lot of money and he's able to retire now. He hasn't retired. He's, he's young, but he hasn't retired because he likes what he does. So he works like five to 10 hours a week in the industry that he is trained for, that he went to school for because he likes it, but he could quit if he wanted to. He just hasn't just done it yet. And it's a little teaser. So you have to go to my podcast to hear it. It's not coming out for a while, but I'll keep you all uh, up to date with that when it does. But he, uh, he, does, he buys properties on the MLS and he's he's a, he runs a profitable business. Now that's not you know it's not for everybody. It's not the way everybody wants to do it. MLS is very difficult, especially if you're going to flip houses or something like that. Um, so how do you find deals right now? I mean, one of the best ways to find deals, assuming you're a house flipper or a landlord, if you're a wholesaler, this this wasn't going to work. But if you're a house flipper or a landlord, one of the best ways right now to find deals, and I'm going to say this is for someone who doesn't have a lot of marketing dollars. You can't spend a lot of money money in marketing is uh, going to wholesalers. Wholesalers are spending money a lot of times, um, sometimes an awful lot of money to find off-market opportunities. And a lot of wholesalers are not looking to monetize these houses by flipping them or, or holding them as rentals. They're finding them for the sole purpose of selling them to you. Now they're marking them up. They're making a profit. Obviously, they're in business to make money. I'm a wholesaler. I mark properties up. I make, I make money. But I'm also finding a high volume of deals that I'm able to sell to other people who 
don't have the time or the money or the knowledge to find deals for themselves. So if you're a house flipper or landlord, I think wholesalers are a fantastic way to find deals. My suggestion is don't get on one wholesalers list, get on all the lists and start making offers on all of them because you will find deals that way. The other way though, if you do have some marketing dollars to spend, direct mail is still working. It's still working everywhere. Direct mail is a fantastic way to find off-market deals. Um, ringless voicemail can work. Text messaging is a little challenging. That, that market's changing a little bit. Um, cold calling, you know, we, we do cold calling in my business and it works. We get deals from it. Uh, Google AdWords, pay-per-click, you know, paying Google to put your ads in front of people who are searching for how to sell their house fast. That's another way we get deals that way too. So there's a lot of ways to find deals. We're, we're finding them all the same ways that we always found them. It's just, it's a little bit, you know, it's slimmer pickings. There's just, you know, it's, there's not as many opportunities as there was five years ago. Five years ago, it was super easy. 10 years ago, it was even easier. It was like almost too easy 10 years ago. It's tougher now, but the market is cyclical. It's going to change. It will become easier to find deals again. The supply and demand uh, balance will will flip the other way eventually. It just will. It just happens. It just it always happens. It always will. I truly believe that. So it will get easier. And if you can figure out how to find deals now, finding deals a year from now, um, twenty years from now, it's going to be it's going to be easy, right? So so it's always going to change. And so I, I think. Um, Finding deals is, is challenging, but we're finding them the same way. You have to be fast. You just really have to be fast. And, and when you find an opportunity, someone calls you from your marketing or a wholesaler sends out a property, like make an offer fast, call them up, tell them you're ready to close, like move as fast as you humanly can so that you get the deals. Sometimes the people who win in this industry in terms of like getting the deal or not, are the people who are the most responsive and stay on top of things. So just be fast in your business and you'll find deals, or at least you'll have a better chance of finding deals. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Um, next question. I'm losing motivation because I keep getting outbid on properties. Okay. So this kind of dovetails that I want to buy to flip. How do I stay motivated? <laughs> yeah. It's always motivating to get the deal and to actually uh, you know, make money. Um, you stay motivated by remembering why you're doing it in the first place. Let's just say, for example, let's just say my motivation for uh, flipping houses is uh, I don't. I work at a job where I constantly have to work overtime. I miss my kids' school functions. I can't be there for them. I'm always making excuses why I can't be there. I feel like a bad dad. I want to be there for my kids, right? I mean, I'm saying it kind of matter of factly, but that can be something that somebody's dealing with and it's really hard. It really hurts them that they're that they're missing things, they're missing out on their kids growing up and that crushes them, right? So, I missed a deal, right? I got outbid on a deal. How do I stay motivated? Do I just quit and go, "Ah, I'll just I guess I just don't see my kids grow up." Or do I say, "Screw that. That was the last one." Now the next one's going to come along and I'm going to, I'm going to go after it again. I'm going to get back up and I'm going to start swinging again because I will get the next deal so that I can start building my business, go, go to work for myself, quit my job and be able to see my kids at their school functions, right? It's like you, if you don't have something that you're doing this for, it, it doesn't have to be for your kids or for your wife or spouse or whatever. It doesn't have to be, but there has to be something. If you're truly terrified at the thought of your life 20 years from now, if you keep going the way you're going, whether you have kids or not, or you know, loved ones or whatever, if just the thought of doing the same thing for the next 20 years and then retiring and just like maybe not have enough money to retire ever. So you just work until you die. If you can start 
getting your brain to go down that road of despair and you can feel that like that you know that anxiety and that that fear of that happening sometimes that fear if you remind yourself of how bad it could get for you if you keep reminding yourself you can find that motivation so that you know missing a deal who cares i miss deals all the time and I just move on. We move on to the next one. As a company, we move on to the next one. Um, sometimes, in in my people that work for me have said, you know, we, you know, what about this? They won't, you know, they won't sign, or you know, they want too much for the house. And I've been telling them, and we'll just, you know, me and my partner will just go forget it. Just move on. Go to the next one. Like they don't want to sell. We don't want to buy. Then it's fine. Let's just go to the next one. You have to have just next up mentality. So if you miss a deal, you get outbid. Just keep bidding. Keep bidding. My guess is you're not bidding on enough, right? It's a numbers game. Real estate, definitely a numbers game. When you're when you're trying to get properties under contract, whether you're a flipper or wholesaler, whatever, it's the people who make the most offers that tend to get the most deals, right? Making one offer and missing it and then feeling bad for a week and then going out and making another offer and then missing it and feeling bad for a month, like that's a slow roll to nowhere. You have to make multiple offers. If you're making an offer a week, make two. If you're making two, make five. If you're making five, make ten. Like just get out there and keep making offers. You can't get, you can't hit the ball if you're not if you're not swinging at it. So you have to swing at it. So I say, dig down, figure out what it is. And by the way, if you dig down and there's no real good reason for you to start a business and you can't think of anything that starting a business means enough to you to actually get out of bed and, and to put it because it's extra work. Most of us do this as a side hustle. So if you're doing it as a side hustle, that means you're doing it after work, on weekends, maybe on your lunch break. That's hard. It takes a lot of discipline to do that. You're tired. You don't feel like it. You're having a bad day. If you don't have something driving you, you're going to fail. Like I wish I could say that nicer, but you're going to fail if you don't have a drive to get it done. So you need to figure out what it is that motivates you the most. All right. The next one, let's see. I am swamped and I really need some help, but don't know if I can keep someone busy full time. Uh, have you had any luck using Upwork or Fiverr? Yeah, I've had I've had luck doing both. So I've hired people directly to work for me directly in my hometown, um, which is great. Um, but if you don't know if you can keep somebody busy full time, uh, sometimes Upwork. Um, Fiverr. There's a site called Freelancer. There's a lot of ways that you can find folks who are maybe overseas who don't require uh, as much per hour as someone in the States so that you could you know, maybe pay them for more hours, but not really break the bank in terms of like your payroll. But I always think it's a good idea. It depends on who you hire. And that's a whole different discussion. Like, who do you hire first? And we've had that discussion on this Q&A. But in a nutshell, you hire the person you hire first should probably be the, for the part of your job that you hate, or it should be the part of your company that you're just, it's a bottleneck because maybe you're not good at it. And, and typically what you hate and what you're not good at are usually the same things. Um, and they're usually the bottleneck too. So it's pretty easy to find, but whatever it is that's slowing your business down, and it's probably because of you in my business, when I was just a one, one man band, a one person operation, I was slowing us down at the sales part of it. The, the calls that were coming in from my marketing and then the actual appointments, I was slowing us down because I didn't like doing it. I wasn't good at it. And so that's one of the first things that I hired out is having that done so that we could unclog the bottleneck, right? Get, get the flow of leads happening again and make more money. Um, so if you need help 
I, I do suggest hiring someone uh, virtually first because it's very economical usually. But if you can't keep them busy, there, there's always things that I call infinity tasks. And so they're tasks that we give folks in our company where maybe I don't have enough to give them to keep them busy enough, but I can find things for them to do that are value added for me. So for me, it could be skip tracing. It could be you know, driving for dollars or taking the driving for dollar leads and finding out who are the names and the phone numbers of the people who own the properties. Um, it could be calling old leads in the database to see if they're interested in selling now. Maybe they weren't when they originally reached out to us or we couldn't get it done. Um, but but now they could be interested. So calling, you know, old leads or dead leads in our database, it, there's value to that because it's just you're trying to uncover gold. You're panning for gold, basically. So there's some value there. So we try to find things for, for folks in our company who we can't keep busy right away. Infinity tasks, something that no matter how much they do, how long they do it, it'll never stop coming. Like the work will be there all the time. And they're just these little tasks that are ultimately worthwhile. It's just low on the priority list for folks who are really, really busy, like you, who you're running the company. You can't necessarily always do some of these tasks. Give them to the person that you hire, let them kind of chip away at this mountain of tasks that you're just probably never going to realistically get to. Okay. Next one uh, was asked in the chat, Melinda Pratt uh, Tyndall, how can I get the money to fund a flip? Where do I start to get a wholesale deal? Okay, number one, Melinda, I would say, again, all love here, but I would say pick one. Like, I don't think, unless you're, unless you're very experienced, if you're very experienced, that's a totally different story. And if you have this thriving flipping or wholesaling business and you kind of want to branch off and do the other thing. But what I see people do in the, in the beginning when they're starting their business too often is they try to wholesale, they try to flip, they try to landlord. They're doing too many things. So where do you find money to flip? Let's just start there because I don't know which way you're ultimately more focused or what's more exciting to you. But let me let me talk about the flip for a minute. There's a lot of ways to get funding for flips. And this is one of the biggest um, hurdles that people tell me they have when they're trying to start flipping houses is I don't have the money. I don't know where to find the money. I can tell you with 100% certainty there is money available. Money is certainly never the problem when it comes to, to real estate. But let me be really, really specific. So when you're starting off, there are companies called hard money lenders, right? There's a lot of them out there. Usually a hard money lender only cares about the, the strength of the deal that you're proposing to them. So in other words, I don't know. I don't know you, Melinda. I don't know if you have great credit or make a lot of money or have a W two. I don't know. It doesn't even matter because most hard money lenders don't care about anything except tell me the address. They're going to do their own due diligence to see what the house could be worth and should be worth once it's renovated, what it's worth now, what you're proposing to do to it, and they will lend you money based off of the strength of your plan and what that house could be worth at the end of the day. They don't need to know you personally. They don't have to like like you. They'll loan money to anybody who brings them a reasonable deal that they see that they can, you know, it's going to make money. Um, some of them will want experience. They'll want to know that you flipped houses before. Some of them don't. And the ones that don't tend to be a little bit higher interest rate. But at the end of the day, it's a very, e it's an easy button for, for getting money for deals. The only caveat to that is a hard money lender, usually almost all of them are going to fund only up to a certain amount of the deal. So a lot of them will go up to like 90%. Uh, of the purchase price, and they'll do 
hundred percent of the, of the flip, right? That that's probably about the best you're going to do right out of the gate, which means you need that 10% to buy the house. You need to come up with the other 10%. If you have it yourself. Awesome. That's problem solved. If you don't, you can borrow it. And, and there's companies out there that just do gap funding. If you just Google gap funding, you can find these properties, these uh, companies who will, they'll fund the gap. They'll fund that 10%. And so that was where you can get all your money. The best way probably to fund your deals long-term is to use private money. Private money is a little different story. It's a little bit more of a relationship type thing. It's not just somebody you call up, say, I've got this deal. You don't know me. I don't know you. Here's a deal. Can I borrow money? That's not how private money works. Private money is a relationship game. It's something you have to cultivate. Um, You have to get to know a private lender. Most private lenders lend primarily on how they feel about you as a person, not necessarily you're just your business. And sometimes not at all your business. Like I've had people lend me money because they know, trust, and like me. And they have no idea what my business is doing. Or especially early on, I had no business. I was brand new, but they liked me and they got to know me. And I spent the time to get to know them. And we cultivated a relationship and ultimately it ended up being a private investor. So private investing is like the long, the long game. Usually you can get much more favorable rates from a private investor. Um, private investors don't expect as much in terms of like the interest that they're going to charge, but it's not a light switch. You have to spend the time to get that relationship really off the ground. Hard money lenders are, are ready to go right now. They'll, they'll loan you money right now. So those are two of the most common ways to get money for deals. The other way you can do it is partner with somebody. I did this early on before I had private money. And when I didn't want to spend my own, I would partner with people. I would just deal split with them. I would give them 50% of the rent of the profits. I would take 50%. They would put up all the money. I would do all the work. We'd split the profits end of the day. It worked. It got me going. It got me off the ground. It got me doing some deals. I don't think ultimately that's the best way to go. You're giving up way too much of your profits doing that. But if that's your only option and that's the only way you're going to get a deal done, then do it. 100% do it. Just transition to a more favorable ter- to more favorable terms as soon as you can, um, but doing that right off the bat to get off the ground, hundred percent, hundred percent. I ask, people ask me all the time, should I give up fifty percent of the deal to to flip a house? And if the answer is I have no other options, I have no other money, and no other way to get the money, then the answer is always going to be yes. I would always give up half the deal to do the deal because half of something is better than hundred percent of nothing. Right? It's a cliche, but it's true. So. Hard money lenders, private money, the bank, you can still get loans from the bank. They're not going to probably lend you the flip, the, the renovation money, but they'll lend you money to buy the house. And if you buy it like FHA, for example, you might only have to put 3% down, but then you have to come up with the funding for the flip. So that's how I did my first one. I did an FHA loan. I put down 3% and then I funded the, the, the renovation part of it myself. And that's how I did the first deal. I didn't do any more like that because I didn't want to put up all the renovation money. I, I started partnering and then I did private money and kind of went from there. But um, banks, credit unions, um, private and, and hard money uh, lending. So um, yeah, that's how I would suggest getting money for your flips. How do you get started with uh, a wholesale deal? Wholesales, wholesale companies, and I have a, I have a wholesaling company. It's really a marketing and sales company. It's, I mean, it's real estate. We're, we're buying and selling houses, but really we're marketing out to find houses. We're getting them under contract and we're selling them to, to investors. So it's like marketing and sales. How do you find them? I'll give you the, the top you know, five or so ways to do it. Direct mail is always 
effective for most people. 99% of the time, direct mail is going to work very, very well. Most investors who I know who are doing high volume deals, a lot of deals, really, really have big thriving businesses. Majority of their deals are coming from direct mail, if not all of them. So direct mail is always great. Pay-per-click is always great. Google AdWords. Um, driving for dollars is great. Cold calling is great. Ringless voicemail works. You know, all these methods that have always worked still worked, but most of them require some sort of financial component. You know, you have to pay for the marketing. Direct mail costs money. Pay-per-click can be quite expensive, actually. Um, even ringless voicemail, cold calling, it all costs money because you have to pay someone to do the cold calls. Driving for dollars is basically free. And networking, by the way, getting to know the realtors in your market, getting to know the other investors, like really networking hardcore can be a great way to find deals without spending money. I know somebody personally, good friend of mine, lives in Southern California. Southern California, one of the most competitive markets on earth. And they do 80 deals a year without spending marketing dollars. 80. No marketing, no marketing money, and no marketing efforts. It's all relationships. It's all networking. And they have a killer business. They're crushing it. Super successful, highly successful. So it can be done with no money, but it takes time, like private money, right? It takes time. You have to create those relationships, but that's how I would find deals for wholesaling. Okay. Uh, Matthew asks me, do you know if a seller that bought his, uh, his rent house, bought his rent house on a 1031 will benefit by selling it as owner finance? Um, great question. I don't know. That's a short answer. I'm good for long answers. I'll give you a short one. I don't know for sure. I really don't know. That's probably not the best question for me. So I'm going to, unfortunately, Matt, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I don't know for sure, because I don't want to, I don't want to blow smoke and answer a question that I don't 100% know. So I'm, I'm going to say, I don't know. Uh, what metrics do you... Okay, this one was from Nathan. What metrics do you use to buy on a flip? And a buy and hold, 70% ARV plus. Have your metrics changed at all recently as the housing market may be tippy? Um, okay, a couple questions here. What metrics do I use on a buy and flip? So I don't... You're asking me basically, do I use the 70% of ARV. Um, no, I don't. I don't. It's okay. It gets you in the ballpark. Um, so it's 70% of ARV um, uh, minus renovations, right? A lot of people use it. It's super popular. It's kind of a very quick way of doing it. I don't really do it that way. I don't do it. It's the way that I do it is not a whole lot more complicated, but I like it better. I, I do the ARV. Everything starts with the ARV, right? And if you don't know what that means, if you're watching this, ARV stands for after repair value. So I, I want the I need to know the ARV first. And by the way, if you if you calculate the ARV, if you if you really research and find an ARV and you're wrong about that ARV, significantly wrong, it doesn't matter. Anything you calculate after that is going to be wrong. So Fortunately, if you want to look at it on the bright side, if you're really good at coming up with ARVs, if you're really good at figuring out what the after repair value is, you, you have a really strong chance of making great investments because the rest of the calculation will be very accurate. If you're not good at that, you need to get good at it or find someone who's really good at it and have them help you. So we start with ARV. We subtract the purchase price. Obviously, we subtract renovations. We just subtract holding costs. Uh, and 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 then we subtract the, the the cost of buying and selling, right? The the all the the closings and the paying the realtors and things like that. Um, and then I usually subtract like, you know, holding cost for the money. Obviously, the cost of money is important, but also like mail and 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 
garbage and not mail, but garbage and snow removal and all that stuff. And, and then we come up with our, with our price. Now I'm a wholesaler. So then I also have to add in, uh, what do I want to make as a wholesaler? And then I sell it. But if I'm, if I'm not a wholesaler, if I'm a flipper, I'm just stopping there. Right. So ARV minus the cost of the house, obviously repairs, the cost of money, the holding costs and all these soft costs associated with it. And that gives me a number that I, that I use. So it's, it's pretty close. And honestly, if you take my number and do the 70% rule thing, we're going to be in the same ballpark, but I just don't, I, I'm not a big fan of that much of a shortcut when it comes to my numbers. And I suggest you come up with, and I have one, it's just a dead simple spreadsheet that I can plug the numbers into. So I can just change some variables really, really fast and find out what makes the most sense. Um, but I suggest once you sort of get the formula down, you just create a little spreadsheet. Um, if you want to shoot me an email at Mike at Just Start Real Estate, I'll, I'll send you mine, but um, just a real quick spreadsheet. But 70% of ARV will get you in the ballpark, right? So if you're like, I don't really understand how to do it any other way. That's the only way I know how to do it. Then do it. It works. It's fine. It works just fine. It's just a little bit less accurate. So I don't love it. Love it. But it works. Okay. Uh, next one. Uh, I want to be financially free. Is real estate the best way? Real estate is the best way for me, for sure. I'm sure some people have gotten financially free by investing in Tesla um, or investing in Bitcoin or something. I, you know, There's a lot of ways to be financially free. And being financially free means different things to different people. Some people just need to make a couple thousand dollars to pay their, their mortgage and their car payment. And you know, they pretty much consider that financially free. That's totally fine. You can do that with a few rentals. Um, other people need a lot more money to be, consider themselves financially free. But whatever, whatever it is to you, Real estate is certainly a great way. I think, you know, again, going back to the conversation I had earlier today, because I had a, a few of them with some folks that I was interviewing on my podcast. Um, one, one of the people that I was interviewing used to do like high finance, like he was in finance and he dealt with a lot of high net worth people. And, and I asked him because he does real estate, but he has other businesses too. And I said, why do you even mess with real estate? Like you have all these other businesses. Why, why do you bother with real estate? And I was really trying, I was trying to prod him to tell me what he likes about real estate. Cause I always like hearing, and I'm like, you, you could, you're making tons of money in other areas. You don't need real estate. Why'd you do it? And he said, when I was working in this financial company and I was dealing with high net worth individuals, I kept consistently seeing that the way they made their money was in real estate. Even if they were known for something else, even if they're, you know, they're, the business they were currently doing was something else, the way that they were consistently making money was real estate. And he's like, so if all of these high net worth people that I dealt with in my, in my day job when I was there, if all the common denominators between all of them is real estate, I need to be in real estate. So um, so, so that's, you know, to me is real estate, the best way to become financial free. I think so. Maybe I'm a little biased. I think so for sure. I think history has shown that it is. I think if you look back in history and look at the folks that have made tons and tons of money, real estate, a lot of times is, is in there. It's at, it's at the heart of it somewhere, or certainly at the beginning. So I think it's a great way. Okay. Michael asks, why did you start your podcast? <laughs> What's your favorite aspect of doing it? I started my podcast because I am by nature an introvert. I don't like going out and mingling and networking. It's not my strength. I do it. And by the way, every time I do it, I usually am very, very happy that I did because something good comes of it, but it's not my nature. So 
when I was starting off, I didn't have anybody to answer questions. And I thought, you know, like these, I have dumb questions. These, no, you know, I don't, I'm embarrassed to even ask some of my questions because they seem so basic and so dumb. So when I would go to Ria's, I wouldn't raise my hand. I, I wouldn't approach people who I thought really knew what they were talking about because I was afraid of looking stupid. I didn't want to ask a dumb question. And so I started my podcast for two reasons. One was a very, um, charitable reason, I guess you could say. And the other one was a little bit more selfish. So the charitable reason was I wanted to help people answer the questions that I was afraid to ask when I was starting off. That was important to me to give them an outlet for doing that. Um, the, the selfish reason was, is I was trying to raise money. I was trying to raise private money and I wanted to get on my podcast. I wanted to help people. I wanted to spread knowledge and information and be as helpful and giving and put out to the world as much as I can, because I wanted to create that credibility. And I wanted to find people who are interested in coming and working with me and lending money and, and partnering with me on deals. So the, that's the reason uh, why I started it. But I soon realized that the, the, by the way, I only ever, ever worked with one private lender based off of my podcast. So that's a little known fact. I started it for that reason, but I really didn't push that because what I realized when I started doing it is I way more enjoyed talking to people like one-on-one, -on -one, learning about their business. And I really enjoyed helping people. I really enjoyed getting to the heart of what it was that was stopping or slowing people down and starting and building their business. And that was the part that really motivated me. So podcasting like anything else can be frustrating. It can be challenging. Um, there are times when you just don't feel like doing it anymore. And, and so if I don't have a really strong purpose, a strong why, I would have stopped a long time ago. So I realized the part that kept me going was the part about helping people. I really like helping people. So that's also why I, I built this program that I talked about at the beginning of, of this Q&A called the Business Fast Track Blueprint. Now, if anybody knows me out there, if you're on here and you know me personally, you know that I'm a very impatient person. You know that I, I just don't like waiting for things. I need things to happen fast or I get really, really frustrated. And so what I've done here is put together a four-week blueprint, a four-week plan, a four-week course that I specifically use the words fast track because I want you to understand this isn't about me just talking about what you'll do in the future. This is this is four weeks of like, let's get down to business. Let's start figuring this out and building this thing out and figuring out how you move forward and let's let's start making money. Like that's the purpose of of the of the business fast track blueprint. It's a blueprint and it's fast track and it's for your business, right? So very so really on the nose name. But I want I want people to understand I I do this because I like helping people. That's why I've done this podcast since 2014. I think I started beginning of 2014. It's why I am part of and continue to be active in and in fact one of the uh, board members and owners of the Seven Figure Flipping Group. Uh, it's a high level mastermind of, of real estate investors. But this business fast track uh, fast track blueprint that I built is specifically for people who are just starting out who don't know where to start, or they've started and they're just not getting traction. They don't know what it is that they're not doing to get them to the next level. I've been in both seats. I've been both people. I know what that feels like. So we're going to get you off and running and help you in a very short amount of time. And we're gonna, I'm going to give you all the fundamentals, all the foundations, everything I'm doing in my business, everything that I've done in my businesses 
to be successful. I'm going to give all of that to you. So if you want to check that out, you can go and check it out. The link is in the comments right now. I would love to see you on the inside of that program. I think we can do an awful lot of good for an awful lot of people. So I'd love to see you in there, guys. That is, I'm looking, that is all the questions that I have for tonight. Uh, we're pushing an hour. I think that's good. It was great seeing you guys here. If, uh, if, uh, if you want to check me out next week, I'm going to be here at seven o'clock again, uh, Eastern, four o'clock Pacific. Email me your questions. You can DM me questions, or you can just show up and start asking. I love it. I love when people ask questions uh, to me live. I love reading them for the first time in the chat. That's awesome. It's a lot of fun for me. Uh, it really jazzes me up. So thank you for those of you who are asking questions tonight. I appreciate that. It's, it makes it a lot more fun for me when you do that. So, uh, but I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep showing up and answering your questions because I will help as many people as humanly possible. All right, guys. Until next uh, week, we'll see you on Wednesday at 7 p.m. We'll talk to you next time. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.